It's Nicole and Tara here, where we hope to inspire you every week with a new discussion topic in the Catholic faith. So keep listening to our latest episode of The Cravert Chronicles. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cravert Chronicles. That is myself, Nicole and Tara. Hi guys. So today Tara and I thought it would be a really great idea to talk about RCIA, also known as the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults, which is a process both she and I experienced just from both ends of the spectrum. So for our listeners who have been listening from the beginning and or who follow us on Instagram. I am a cradle Catholic and I went through RCIA only through it with my fiance, now husband. So I got to do it as a sponsor and Tara actually went through it. So we wanted to just talk about what it is, what the different levels of RCIA are and what goes on in that. I think it's a year, almost a year. Mm -hmm. And then just touch on our own experiences. So Tara, I will pass it over to you. Do you want to talk about what officially RCIA is? Yes. So RCIA is uh, the right of Christian initiation for adults. And uh, basically there's, I guess I'm going to call them levels, uh, different levels or stages to the process. And I actually had to look it up because I don't really, I didn't remember all of the names of all of the different levels, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) from what I do remember after looking it up on Google is uh, the first stage, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but pre-catechumenate, if I'm saying that correctly. And basically, from what I understand, that's just, that's that time period where you're learning, you're growing, you're asking a lot of questions. Um, I, I believe even that's a time where you can invite friends or family to join in and listen in if they have any interest. So it's really a time to just explore the faith and to find out if it's something that you actually want to to get into and if it's something that you really believe. And then after that, you become the catechumenate And from what I gather, there are two different groups, right? So the catechumens are those who are unbaptized. And then there are candidates who, you know, my husband was actually a candidate when he came into the Catholic Church, and I'll get into that. But those are, those people are baptized in some kind of, you know, maybe a Protestant church or Catholic, but maybe not Christian. Christian. (laughs) Yes. Christian all around, not any other religion. Um, But even if they were Catholic, maybe they weren't fully initiated into the faith. So uh, during that stage, you really just get a lot more in depth. You have a sponsor. uh, You're kind of engaging in the Christian community a little bit more. And you're getting a lot more serious about the vigil where you become a full-fledged Catholic. So. Then you finally get into the last two stages. Uh, Purification and enlightenment is basically the rite of election on the first Sunday of Lent. And you're preparing for for baptism. You're preparing for confirmation and and really just all of it. I remember that as being a nerve-wracking, exciting, and kind of stressful time. 
And then finally, once you become Catholic, you have the last stage whereby you at least, I mean, really, you'll be attending mass from then on as a Catholic in theory, but you're going even deeper until Pentecost and you're spending time in those 40 days or so really uh, enriching yourself and delving more into the word and all of that. Yes. Now, I don't know if you want to clarify this, but you were not baptized first, right? You went in as a catechumen, correct? Yes, I went in as a catechumen. I So it's funny because I, yes, I was not baptized as a baby. And uh, I was, I've mentioned before that I was, I did attend a reformed church for a few years as a young kid. But uh, it's funny because I remember that I, in the reformed church, at least when I was a kid, what they used to do is they would pass around a piece of white bread and grape juice. And this person would pass it to the person next to them. And I really, really wanted it. And I remember my mom saying, oh, you know, you really can't have it because, you know, you guys aren't baptized. And, you know, really in, in the Protestant church, it's it's a symbol. So I remember sneaking it in sometimes <laughs> because I really want it. Like I can still taste the grape juice. But uh, <laughs> But it's interesting because it sort of started me in this, Looking back, it kind of early on made me feel like I was half in and half out and almost like Christianity wasn't something that I could touch or fully be a part of, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you officially decide to look into something like RCIA, it's a big commitment. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the time we we did a few interest meetings. And when I say we. I went through it with my fiance because I wanted to be at his level. I wanted to understand what he was going through. But when the opportunity came up to be a sponsor, I said, well, at least there'll be more of a purpose for me being at these classes because I could help somebody Uh who isn't my fiance. And I could also maybe grow more in my own faith. But I remember on the first day, when the people who officially signed up for the classes who had gone to all the interest meetings, they said again on the first day, they said, you can go through this class as many, but you need to be a hundred percent sure before you're officially going to be initiated. Uh If you go through those first few months and you are interested and you want to learn more, but you're not a hundred percent sure yet, uh-huh. then don't then don't continue with the second part of the process and some people would drop out or things yeah. would change mm-hmm. and it, i think it's just so courageous to see the different backgrounds and how diverse it really was uh-huh. and getting to hear people's testimonies and i don't know how it was for you but in the program we had gone through mm-hmm. the people running the different topics each week a lot of them were converts and they had to be out in the world living as a Catholic for, I think, two years before they could officially come back and help facilitate RCIA. Is that how it was for you guys? Do you remember the people that were teaching the classes? Yeah, it's funny because we actually only had one person. It was one of the deacons in our church. 
And Mm -hmm. we did it every week. And it's kind of funny because, I mean, we're going to get a little bit deeper into uh, our own experiences. But if I'm being honest, I really feel like this is going to sound horrible, but I really don't feel like I learned a whole lot during the RCIA process. And there was a lot of work that I understandably so had to do on the outset. But um, the deacon that ran the program, I actually I really love this deacon. Um, He's like a family member to me. And he's he's a lifelong Catholic. And he I remember asking some really deep questions. I think even one time I asked him, was there ever a point in your life where you didn't believe in God? Just because that was my background. He kind of looked at me like, that is crazy. (laughs) You know, Uh so it was like, no, and that's fine. Like we all have different experiences, but I almost, it almost felt like, okay, I'm not so sure how much I can talk to this person about some of the, tougher questions that I have because he was someone that and this kind of reminds me of you a little bit Nicole from what you've shared about not always needing to question the faith right like you you've mm-hmm. always had faith and that kind of reminded me of him and and that was fine but I had some really hard questions and I don't feel like I actually got answers that I could uh I guess that would lead me deeper into the faith if, so yeah. yeah I know exactly what you mean Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and honestly, I think going into an experience like that, it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, when I went through it as a Catholic, as a sponsor, mm-hmm. I felt like I got a lot out of it because, yes, I knew a lot of the base information, <laughs> but sometimes I didn't fully think through it as an adult. Like you're saying, I never questioned a lot of things. That's just because it's kind of, Kids with a childlike faith, I don't want to say you're blindly following your faith, but I hate to admit it. It feels like that sometimes as a kid because you're really just doing what you're told by your parents and this is what you've known your whole life. So you don't really question it. At least I didn't. So when we were going through different topics and even confession and learning more about the examination of conscience, there were things that they were talking about where I thought, oh gosh, Uh I feel like a bad Catholic (laughs) because (laughs) I didn't, I didn't really think about it this way, or I feel like I didn't know. But when you talk about you feeling like you didn't learn as much in the classroom versus outside, I think that it's really hard to learn an entire faith in a short period of time because at the end of the day, this isn't a crash course. And then if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, you're damned. It's not like that. Right. I really think that they offer a really good high level of information. And then they provide the different readings in that book. Um, I think it was just called the RCIA for adults book I think that was the one like this red book and then I think past a certain point in the classes they then switch over to the actual catechism Uh and they start pulling from there so there's a lot of reading involved and a lot of your own research and that's where I think like you were saying other questions start to pop up now 
my husband and you and I were laughing about this right before we started this podcast episode, <laughs> but we were saying how my husband wasn't really following the readings like he probably should have, but he seemed to get so much out of the class and uh -huh. spending time with his sponsor and talking through things that way. Whereas other people, they came, their books were marked up like they were about to take a test or something. It was really on all different ends different students pupils i guess you can say of the faith but i don't think it's a bad thing if you don't feel like you learned a ton in the class because i really think it's supposed to get you thinking give you the real meat and then you really a lot of rcia and this is my opinion right. i think it's really just digesting all this new information for somebody like yourself or like your husband or my husband or anybody else going through this. And at the end of the day, really choosing to follow this faith and take up these beliefs that even though some people might not fully have the same beliefs or there might be some areas in the faith that they don't agree with, but that's when they still agree to follow the faith anyway. Yes. And that was sort of, Without realizing it, I that was kind of what it was like for me. So it's funny we're talking about this because I've I've wanted to sort of process my RCIA experience for a long time because I feel so far from it. But it's interesting when I made the decision to become a Catholic, I had been looking into the faith for maybe a year or so before, and. I mean, on a very small level, like you said, there's so much to learn. And I actually, I had been reading Jennifer Fulweiler's blog, uh, which I'm trying, I think it was called like a conversion diary or conversion story, something like that. And I'd stumbled across it. And that's where I was learning a lot about the faith. And I was trying to understand just the basics. And it was 2010 when I was uh, going through the RCIA process. And my grandmother was so, so, so excited because she was a lifelong Catholic and really wanted my sister and I to be baptized and to become Catholics. So she actually was our sponsors because my sister and I both went through the process at the same time. However, mm. my sister, though, felt very, very different. Like, I don't think so. She went through with the RCIA process. She became a Catholic, but I don't think. I think her view of what that meant was sort of in line with the lukewarm Protestant view that we had. You know, it, it was it, there really wasn't a whole lot of responsibility with it. I mean, she kind of became a Catholic and that was that. And and she I, I mean, I guess she would consider herself a Catholic now, but she doesn't participate. She's not a part of the faith at all. And I know that she felt very torn because later on, I learned that she sort of felt pressured to do it because of my grandmother. My grandmother really wanted this. And yeah. the older sister, I really wanted it, but you know, she kind of went along. So there was a lot of moving pieces. And my grandmother, as I mentioned, was our sponsor, but she, <laughs> I love my grandmother, but she really doesn't, um, <laughs> she'll be like, oh no, no, like, it's okay. We'll just, we can, you can miss mass. It's fine. And I'm like, well, but like, not really. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, my grandmother is just like, so I don't want to say old school, but I don't know. I, she's so great. She's such a great person, but she just doesn't quite understand the depths of it either. So it was sort of, I, again, I hate putting it this way, but it kind of felt like the blind leading the blind at times. And yeah, 
you know, you had mentioned something too that made me think, yes, RCIA opened the door, right? And there was a lot of information and it actually took me many, many, many years. I can't even think of how many years to really feel like I had a pretty okay grasp on Catholicism. And I think part of that too is grace, right? Like mm-hmm. process and and truly believing in it. I feel like that was grace from God. And and so a lot had to happen after RCIA to to get to this point where I am today. Yeah. And I think like what you said, having that additional pressure from your grandma and even though i know you said you were interested in it too i think if there is a family member and especially we want to respect our elders Uh a lot of the time people nowadays they would go through decisions or life transitions or big monumental ideas just solely to please somebody in the family and that's been around for as long as i can remember i mean how many families or like dysfunctional families let's say something happens and in order to keep respect for the elders or like keeping family secrets until they're long gone I feel like I don't know if that's the right way to explain it but that's what I'm thinking not that there's like some big family scandal going on but (laughs) maybe but (laughs) maybe but it, it makes me think another big part of RCIA is it's your decision it can't be somebody else's to fully do it and that's why in our program at our parish they were every week they would say you need to make sure that you're still okay with doing this and if you want to keep coming but you're not 100 percent unofficially being initiated into the church yet that's okay you just need to make sure you you're on the right page because i'm not gonna lie to you before my husband and I even got engaged, I had it in my little head. Oh yeah. Like he's going to become Catholic for me. No problem. And it took me a little bit to realize I can't force that on him. And that was a really hard thing for me to think of because growing up in New York, Italian, I just never assumed I would have to hope that my future husband would be willing to convert to the Catholic faith. It just was never a question because everybody, everybody up there for the most part was like Catholic, Jewish, anything else. But I mean, that was how I grew up. I don't know. I'm sure it was similar for you in some areas. It was kind of like that same stereotype living there, but I had to really talk to him about it and he knew how much it meant to me if he was going to become Catholic. But at at the end of the day, if I tried to force him through it, I don't think he would have continued with it unless he really got something out of it. So that makes me wonder when it comes to you going through that process with your husband, do you feel like, I guess, do you feel like you learned something new through the process or was it a lot of just information you already understood, you already knew? I I honestly think it was a little bit of both. Like I mentioned before, there were things that I kind of didn't think about as deeply or from an adult level, because a lot of my knowledge was from elementary school, kids, Bible camps, things that I just learned growing up. I think once you get to a certain age too, they don't really get into the nitty gritty details about 
certain sins and you know the the different um the deadly sins and you know receiving yeah. communion when you're in a state of mortal sin and what all of that means and I didn't really think about it many mm-hmm. times growing up because it was never a question and it's not like my parents were going over what they had taught or what I learned in school mm-hmm. but I think going through it with him it really opened my eyes but also I got to learn about even more resources which was cool yeah you and I had talked about formed it is a it's kind of (laughs) I call it Catholic Netflix even though I know that's technically not what it is it's like a resource center where they have movies documentaries books articles all kinds of information for the like as a resource for your catholic faith but you access it through like a code from your parish so it's right it's kind of like its own secret thing you just don't have to pay 20 dollars a month <laughs> for it but it was cool to learn about that because then on top of that not even just for rcia in pre-marriage counseling we had to use it too there were certain documentaries or videos that we were expected to watch together mm-hmm. so I learned a lot about some different resources to use as a Catholic. I was even able to ask my own questions and clarify things. But for the most part, something I really took out of it was Catholic fellowship experience that I think he and I got to experience together. I I grew up attending prayer groups, like Bible studies, And I had talked in our last episode about youth ministry. So I had gotten that experience. Uh So getting to do it with him and meeting people of all different ages and getting to enjoy coffee and donuts after mass Uh every Sunday and just getting to sit down and have a new lesson. I really loved that. And I think he turned out to really like it too, because we got to meet other couples who they were kind of in the same boat where one of them was Catholic and the other was converting Uh and they were going through the same process or just even him getting to spend time with his sponsor, me getting to spend time with my candidate. I really enjoyed the fellowship part because it wasn't like we were just in this alone. There were other people going through it with us because it's a, you're in a little cohort. There are a lot of people that are going through this with you and it's a big exciting new thing yeah I especially like the uh fellowship aspect of it because I really didn't know any other Catholics at the time so uh, and also kind of like you I really enjoy learning and it was the first time that I think I could really uh I, I guess sit in a room full of people and not feel weird about the questions that I was asking and yeah you know, other people seem to really respect and understand where I might be coming from. It's interesting, too, because a few years later, my husband, who was raised American Baptist, decided to become Catholic on his own. And I went through the RCIA process with him as well. So and again, I had just I was already Catholic at this point. I just wanted to go through it because I wanted to learn again and experience that with him. And it was so, it was kind of cool to see the difference that I think it was probably four years, four years made uh, from when I had come into the church and when he was coming into the church. And it was just a very, uh, it was a very different experience. I remember somebody in particular in his group 
when we were going around the room introducing ourselves, I remember this person said that they were having a very difficult time with church teaching, especially as it pertains to sexuality and, and all of that, like the really tough things just because of the way that she had been raised. And I fully understood that a hundred percent. And I remember being so excited to be like, Oh, Ooh, I can, I can help you. I can talk to you about this because, <laughs> because I totally understood. It's such a tough place to be. And I think that also really speaks to the benefit of the group because I'm not so sure that everybody knew how to respond to that, but some of us had, had kind of understood what she was talking about. So I'm sure that it, I mean, I'm not her, but I would imagine if I were in her shoes, it's nice to have other people say, oh, listen, I've, I've been there. I get mm -hmm. it. I have the same questions and these resources helped me. Now, here's another question for you. Were you Ben's sponsor? No, I actually, okay. I'm trying to remember why, um, it, my because grandma was also his sponsor. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I love that. Well, I only ask because when we initially started, my husband wanted me to be a sponsor and they said they would not let a couple be mm -hmm. each other's sponsors. They wanted it to be someone of the same sex. Right. And I think, honestly, I don't think it would have went well if I was a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, because he had some really intense questions that I could not answer. And the, and I think I've mentioned this in a prior episode, but the sponsor that he had, mm -hmm. they were like the same person. They thought very similarly. He was an older guy, but he was familiar with um, engineering. And my husband is an engineer. So I think that was a plus, but they also just, their personalities clicked really well and they would go off and, I don't fully know what they talked about in their, you know, one-on-one -on -one sessions. And I think that's a good thing. I'm happy that he had an outlet and right. it wasn't someone like me because he might not take what I'd be saying seriously, or maybe we'd end up like getting distracted or like start talking about wedding planning or something instead, <laughs> which I'm sure would have happened because we were going through pre-marriage counseling, wedding planning, mm -hmm. all kinds of changes during that time. But I do like how they arranged the sponsors. Like they didn't assign people right away. They would have people going through the group. And once they officially decided, yes, I want to keep going at that point, they will already have known everybody in the group. And then sometimes sponsors and candidates chose each other. Oh. And I, I thought that was nice because it's like, well, I know so-and-so we've, had a few really great conversations and I think she can help me in this process or vice versa. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I, I think that we, at our parish, we had sponsors on hand, so to speak, but for yeah. the most part, people kind of chose their own, but I agree. I, I also can be kind of pushy. So I think that if I were Ben's sponsor, it would have been a lot of like, Okay, like time for you to understand this now. Why aren't yeah. you scared? And, and especially at the time, um, you know, but Ben was really, he was really into the process. And it was fun because we could dig in deep and, and talk about some of the stuff that was coming up. And we were also going through the process of 
preparing for our marriage. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of support at the same time. And it could have been very challenging and difficult, but I think that the questions and just the RCIA class in general and the people, it, it really helped to sort of solidify us in this faith. Yeah, I, I think it kind of answered a lot of my husband's questions or made the light bulb go off as to, oh, that's why you and your family do this. Or, oh, that's what you you were talking about when I didn't understand what this was. I think right. it, it really did. But nothing was so exciting, though, as getting to witness the Easter vigil. I feel like getting to be a part of that process and all, like you were saying, all of the excitement, all of the nerves, especially the people that were getting baptized on top of receiving the official communion and confirmation, you know, you're on display. And our church was a really big church. There were over 26,000 parishioners, not at one mass, but I mean, at one mass alone, there are easily a couple thousand people in the congregation. So it's not, it's not any small, you know, crowd over there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We also have, I don't know how many parishioners there are, but it's a pretty big church. And that was, yeah, it was such an exciting day. Uh, I was so nervous. It felt like I was graduating or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, okay, you kind of are, though. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's kind of going into this new chapter and a life journey. Because if you think about it, so after... And as we start to wrap this up, you know, thinking about it after the full initiation at the Easter vigil is the period of the period of mystagogy. Mm -hmm. So that's really the catechesis following this reception of initiation. And it's really up to you now to continue your journey in the faith. Mm -hmm. And I think it this period kind of goes for, I think, another year, if I'm reading this correctly. Yeah. Because it's from, yeah. like, that Easter to the following Easter. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, you're kind of, I don't want to say you're on, like, probation. <laughs> but, but you kind of are, though, if you think about it. Because it's, yeah. like, okay, you you know what you need to know to get started in the faith. Have at it. Like, make sure you go to confession. <laughs> make sure you're attending Mass. Make sure you're following the Ten Commandments. You know, it's you're on your own. Yes. Yeah, I think that, I mean, just even being, so the Easter Vigil and that whole mystagogy period really solidified how important all of this really was, you know, and what it meant. Because, like you had said, entering the process, it, it was a very serious thing, and it was a time commitment, and you had to do readings, and yeah, there was elements of sure, like this is a very serious thing, but being up there at the vigil, you know, wearing the white garment, getting baptized for me, which was such an emotional experience, standing in front of all of these believers. I mean, it was, oh, it was beautiful. I just absolutely love that mass. It was beautiful. And it was such an emotional moment. And as I mentioned, it just, it solidified for me okay, this is really, really serious. This is really, really important. And like you said, I have to use the resources now. I have to go forward and, you know, do my confession and just, yeah, really be one with the church and be one with Christ. It was such a meaningful experience. 
Yes. And I'm so glad that we got to talk more about it because I didn't fully know your background with it. I thought you and your husband went, went through it at the same time. And I didn't know you were a catechumen and he was a candidate. So I think that that yeah. really, it changes the experience, but right. I think that's awesome. Um, I did want to highlight to our listeners out there, RCIA is a really big decision. If you ever have questions on it or want more information on what we talked about, um, mm -hmm. we are going to link some basics of RCIA um, <laughs> in the description of this podcast. So go check those out. Don't be afraid to reach out to us on social media and ask questions as well. And right. tell us your own experiences with it. So I think we are going to end with a quick prayer. Mm -hmm. And then we will be on our merry way <laughs> in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for letting Tara and I gather here today to talk about the rite of Christian initiation of adults. It is such a beautiful process that you have blessed your children with, especially those who go through it have a life-changing experience and then can go on in this ministry. I think it's a very specific type of ministry to be in and really evangelizing and having people convert to the Catholic faith. It's a really big deal. And um, the people who are involved in these programs and who do all the work and all the volunteer work, um, it's a lot of work. It's mm -hmm. not an easy job. There's a lot of preparation into it. So we're th we're going to thank you, Lord, for these people that put their time and energy into these programs. And for those who are highly considering joining the Catholic faith, that they have a little more peace of mind about it. And maybe our conversation today might have helped sway someone's decision to look into it. So with that, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you all for listening and have a great rest of your day. Bye, everyone. Have a good week. If you are so much enjoying the Craver Chronicles podcast, you can subscribe and leave a review because when you subscribe, you basically get a notification telling you every week on Wednesday that there is a new episode waiting for you and review us. Let us know what you love about the show. Um, it gives other listeners an opportunity to find us as well that way. But if you are on Instagram, go check us out. Follow us at the Craver Chronicles underscore podcast where we share our episodes every week interviews that we have and we also love to feature our listeners so if you are just really digging an episode you're listening to screenshot it tag us in your story at the Craver chronicles underscore podcast and also if you use hashtag on wednesdays we wear grace we'll see it we'll share it we want to show you how much we appreciate you so go do it bye